Thanks for tuning into the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Clear Communication Coach Stephanie Mitchell about writing effective professional email. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Stephanie. Thank you, Shelley. I'm so happy to be with you. Well, thanks so much for being here. How about getting us started by introducing yourself? Sure. I am someone who believes in the power of words. I like to say I specialize in words. And I focus on words because I think that words really have the power to connect us with each other, whether they're spoken or whether they're written. So I am a professional speaker. I have I lead keynote talks, I lead workshops, I work with people one-on-one to improve their writing. I tend to work with a lot of lawyers, also judges, engineers, and other professionals, anyone who really wants to communicate more clearly. And a bit, bit about my background, I have a law degree from the University of Victoria. I also have a journalism degree from uh, King's out in Halifax. Uh, and my background is working at CBC Radio as a journalist for quite a few years, where I really learned about um, making each word count so that you can catch your listener the first time. I've also worked in law school communication, and or, sorry, that's law school administration and government communication. And through it all, I've really come back to the power of words and how we use them. And, and that's what I love. So that that's what I really work with people on. Well, I love it. And I certainly share that passion. Uh, so I'm super excited to be speaking with you today. I've heard all sorts of um, great quotes about the way that lawyers communicate so poorly in writing. And so many of those quotes now have been sort of um, adapted to the new online email world. So I'm just wondering from your perspective, what's wrong with the way lawyers write email? Oh, that's a great question. Couple of things I would say. For one, every lawyer I know is very busy. (laughs) They have a lot on their plates. And so when they're writing the email, they often just want to get it done. It's an important part of the workday, but it also needs to get done so they can get back to their other work as well. And so they can write that email in a rush without thinking about what they really want to say and get across and also who it's going to. And and that's my second point. I think, you know, when we're writing emails, we're on our own. We don't have another person in the room with us. Generally, Mm -hmm. we definitely don't have the person we're writing the email to in the room with us. So it's really easy to almost forget that other person is real (laughs) and Mm -hmm. keep them in mind enough when we're writing the email. So because we're writing it in isolation, we're not considering, okay, will the other person be able to understand this? And will they be able to understand what I want them to understand? So I think I think a lot of it comes to that that sort of rush that to just get the email done and, and get it off our plates without always thinking about the end product and, and what it's going to do. And now there are so many distractions that come up with notifications and the phone and the people around us and everything else. So certainly writing an email is something we try to do more quickly in a more distracted state, I would say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like all the sort of um, electronic distractions and the, I guess, sort of so many things competing for our attention. 
as writers, but I imagine that that would be the same for readers of, of, uh, of emails. Right. They're yes. dealing with the same, you know, kinds of distractions. So is that something that when you say you, you need to be thinking a little bit more about the recipient of the email, is that something that could help us be a little bit more effective in our email? Absolutely. And it's, it's another reason why we need to be so careful with our emails, I think, as well, because you know the person receiving it will also be probably pressed for time, maybe distracted. They might get your important email on the way home from work, um, trying to pick up something at the grocery store on their way home to dinner and to pick up their kids from daycare before the daycare closes. You know, and so they have all these competing thoughts in their brains. And so when your email comes in, you want to make sure that it really reaches them. It's effective so they can understand it, knowing that other person could be coming from, you know, a very distracted place where they are as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are some of the things that we can do to kind of grab their attention? And like, I don't know, I'd like to say make sure our email gets read, but <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't <laughs> think that that's something that we can really um guarantee, but how can we kind of get closer to our emails being read most of the time? Mm -hmm. I think really taking time to write your emails deliberately when you can. I know sometimes you just have to send it off, get it done, off it goes. But in general, if you can stop and ask yourself a few questions, you know, take some time to gather your thoughts before your email and ask yourself, you know, um, what does my reader want to know? And, and what is my key message? If you could ask yourself those questions before you send the email, that will really help make sure you get that out when you do write the email. And sometimes that, that just takes a few seconds. For a more complicated email, it could take a little longer. You might even jot a couple notes down as well. If, say, you're writing a client email, then maybe you're writing down a, a really rough outline even on a piece of paper of what you want to make sure you include in that email so that the person reading it gets the most out of it and your email is most effective. Mm-hmm. So I think really taking that time. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you 100%. I think like what you said at the outset is a question of, you know, we're being so rushed all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, taking time. But yeah, how, I mean, do you have any sort of tips on how we might do that? Yes. So think about the subject line. This is something we often take for granted because so many of us are texting and there's no subject lines in texts. (laughs) But emails have this great advantage of having a subject line because the subject line, it really, it primes the reader for what's coming. So, you know, they, I might see a subject line in my email, um, workshop for our LA office. And I think, great. I get to go to LA or I get to talk to these people in LA. Like I know what's coming when I see that email coming up in my inbox before I've read it. I have a sense of it just by looking at the subject line. So I think really think about the subject line as a, as a place to put your idea in lights and to get someone else's attention. And that doesn't mean it should be, you know, cute or fancy or have puns. Ideally, it should just be short and sweet and it should be what your email is about. And that has the real added bonus too of forcing you to focus and think, Okay, so what is this email I'm writing about? If you give it a title, you know, if you put that in the subject line. So that's one way to help get your email read. Another thing to think about when your email comes in is, again, going back to the other person, 
how will they respond when they see it? Will they look at, you know, this big dense wall of text with all these long legalese words and think, oh, I don't want to read that. You know, will it throw them off? And even if you have to present something quite complicated, again, maybe you're you're sending a, a part of your legal opinion through email to a client. Think about, okay, how can you present it in a way that is palatable for them, in a way that's inviting and attractive for them to read? And, you know, I, I certainly don't mean using fancy colors or putting in pictures or anything, but if you just think about how you arrange the text in your email, just the way you, you might think about how you arrange the text on a page, if you're even writing a submission or, or a client letter on paper that you print out. So think about having subject headings, having titles that go through so that the reader can quickly skim and see, oh, it's about this. There are three issues that we're looking at and here are the answers to them. Because everyone wants to actually skim a piece of writing when they first see it. So that can be a really helpful thing to have there. And I guess the other important thing too, to make sure your email gets read, gets responded to is lead from the top. Put that most important information in the very beginning. Because you don't have very long to catch anyone's attention, you know, especially when they're busy doing other things. So if they can't see why you're writing within the first couple of lines, what that email is about, then there's a good chance they'll just put it off to look mm-hmm. at later because it's they don't feel like looking at it now, but then they often just don't get back to it again yeah. as well. So if you can say why you're writing right away, and often you know you're answering a question or maybe you're asking a question or you're explaining a problem, you know, put that right in the beginning and, and lead from the top to help the, and again, it helps the reader understand why you're writing and that's really useful too. Mm-hmm. I love it. I really like the idea of headings. That's something that we obviously um, think about more when we are, you know, writing a legal document that has specific headings required by the format of the document or just in general to um, to organize our thoughts and to help make our writing easier to sort of navigate through. But that's not something we often think about uh, with email. And I think it's a great idea. I'm just want- worrying about cluttering up the email with the headings. Like, you know, you're saying you want it to be short and you want to get sort of the main point and uh, why you're writing up front. Uh, yes. Can those work together as they do in, um, you know, in, in a formal legal document? Like I'm thinking of having an overview, for example, and then having headings that correspond to the different um, topics that you're going to be addressing in the document. Is that the kind of thing that you mean for email as well? Yes, absolutely. Although you bring up a really good point that you don't want your email to be any longer than it needs to be. So, First, I would say that headings actually often shave off words because then you don't have to sort of introduce the idea. It's already there as a heading. So that can be helpful to save space. But if you feel like this is really long, this this would be pages on a document. So maybe this is too long in an email. You're probably right. So trust your gut on that. And in that case, if you still need to send it by email, then maybe you attach a document and you send a short email explaining maybe the answer to the question or the Mm -hmm. issues you're going to discuss so that the person can still read the email, get a sense of it very quickly, and then they can open the document at their leisure or print it out or look at it maybe on a bigger screen than on their phone in the lineup at the grocery store. (laughs) But they know what's there. And the other thing too is if it's really long, 
think about, is this the right thing to be sending by email as well? Maybe you want to have a phone call. Maybe you want to meet with that person in person to explain it as well, if it's quite complicated. So that's the other thing I'd really say about email is it can be really good for sharing information, for going back and forth, but email isn't good for everything. It it doesn't work for all our communication situations. So do always consider, is email the best medium for this? You know, should you pick up that phone or should you walk down the hall or, or set up a meeting in person with the person you're writing to? Yeah. And I, I think, you know, certainly with the younger generation, it's just, uh, you know, they're so used to communicating electronically that we don't often think about about that. Would it be better to have a conversation? And I think something that sticks in my mind since I'm a little bit old school <laughs> and email wasn't around at the beginning of my career, but the idea that people aren't going to judge your speech as harshly as they will your writing. So once you put something in writing, there's this sense that even though it's less formal because we're writing an email as opposed to um, a legal document or even um, a letter I don't know. What do you call a letter versus an email these days? Um, yeah. <laughs> client letter. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the fact, you know, that uh, once it's in writing, it's all of a sudden takes on a completely different um, meaning for the reader in that they can parse through the individual words and they can you know really get a lot more critical about the way that we uh, use our words and the way the document is, is constructed. So I really like the idea of, you know, sometimes just having a conversation. Um, yeah, because people are a lot more forgiving of our sort of grammatical errors and structural errors and things like that when we are, uh, when we're speaking as opposed to writing. I lo- yes, and I, I love that you you've brought that up, especially for listeners who are more used to just typing <laughs> as opposed to talking. And it can feel uh, you can feel a little bit nervous because you can't control having a conversation the same way that you can when you're typing. But uh, same thing, I would say you know people have so much more um, understanding when you're speaking in person and. The fact that you can't control it is actually this wonderful thing because there's so much more nuance. You can respond to each other. If you see the other person has a certain kind of question, you can stop what you're saying and answer that question. Or if you have a question, you can ask it right away before they go on too far and you don't quite understand what's happening. Um, so yes, I, I would really encourage you to think about when a conversation can be a better way. And, and remember, Everyone is just longing for human connection as well, especially after the last couple of years. You know, and we're happy, we're all, I think we're all happy to connect in different ways, whether that's by email or by instant messaging or in person or on the phone. But we're all, we're looking that for, for that connection and we all have grace for each other as well. I think we, we all understand no one is perfect at mm-hmm. all. So we can kind of communicate with each other quite confidently, knowing that if we are Meaning well, if, if we've taken time to think about what we want to talk about, so we're not wasting another person's time. Um, if we've, you know, thought about that, we can go in really confident. However, whatever kind of way we're communicating with the other person and, and know it, it will work out because we'll all meet in the middle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and just to sort of build on the idea of that conversation in person versus uh, in writing, whatever the medium is, when we converse in person, 
I mean, your example was a great one. You know, you can stop. They have a question. You can answer the question. But other things I was just thinking about, well, you know, because I'm, I very much speak with my hands and a mm. lot of gestures and things that you can't replicate in writing. So, you know, that's another um, reason I would think to have a face-to-face conversation in certain situations where you have these other tools at your disposal, like your, you know, your hand gestures, body language, and various other things to emphasize points and, you know, um, connect in a, in a non-verbal way. Exactly. I think all these different ways of communicating are, are great ways to build our professional relationships with each other. And Email can only go so far. <laughs> Although that said, um, it's really interesting. Research shows that there's this negativity bias in email, partly because we can't read those cues the same way, you know, tone of voice, physical gestures, smiles <laughs> um, on an actual face. And with the negativity bias, you know, if you send an email, I'll receive your email and think, it's a bit more negative than I was expecting, you know, mm-hmm. unless you actually actively work against the negativity bias in email. Uh, so I would really strongly recommend when you, when you write an email to someone, always be aware of that. Be aware of how, you know, your email can go down a level of negativity every time you send it. And a couple easy things you can do to fight that negativity bias and set a warm professional tone in the email is even just uh, greeting that other person by name saying, hi, Jason, or good morning, Ms. Lee, and just showing, okay, I'm writing to this specific person and you're greeting them by name. And then you have, you know, a quick friendly greeting. It was good to see you last week, or I hope you had a great holiday. And then you get right into the importance, you know, the the meat of why you're writing. But just taking that time in the beginning will really help set that positive tone that, again, it, it helps make up for some of what you're missing with email where you're not in person and you don't have those, those subtleties of your hand gestures and your eyes crinkling and the corners when you smile and all the, this body language that we read unconsciously when we're speaking to someone in person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So important. And I love that idea. I don't, don't love the idea, but the, it is so interesting. Um, the idea of negativity bias. So you've got to fight against that. It explains so much, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) For how we've misinterpreted emails and how they've gone off the rails. Yeah. One thing I've heard is in order to convey sort of um, sincerity and I mean, sort of building on the idea of tone, because I think that's probably one of the hardest things to Mm. even articulate, like what is tone and then how do you achieve it? But one thing I read is that um, you can go a long way towards um, showing your reader that you are sincere by making the introduction or the opening or the greeting and then the sign off consistent. So if you would start with, um, you know, hi, hi, Jason, you would end on a more uh, friendly note as opposed to ending with sincerely or, you know, mm. kind regards or something like that. I don't know. Is that something that you've thought about or, or heard about? Or what do you, you know about it? Yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's new for me. And and I love it. I think it makes so much sense because I would always say you want your tone to be consistent throughout and it should sound professional, but it should also sound like you. You, you always want to be sincere because if you're not being sincere, it's exhausting <laughs> to keep up mm-hmm. and, you, and you can be sincere and just watch your professional language. So 
I, I agree. I think that makes a lot of sense. If you have high in the beginning, then, you know, your sign off is probably more casual than sincerely or best regards. Mm-hmm. But if you have hello, then maybe your sign off is best regards. Or if you have dear as well, you know, um, dear Mr. Wong, then your sign off might well be sincerely regards. And right. Yes. And, and just thinking about tone through your whole email and making sure it's consistent. And one really easy way to check your tone is to actually read your email out loud mm-hmm. and listen to yourself. Your ears are really good judges of what sounds natural to you and what sounds like you. Because as I said, an email should always sound like you as well. So just read your email out, out loud if you're not sure. And that that's a great way to hear if everything is consistent in your tone. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think that holds true for any type of writing. Yeah. Yeah. I just discovered. I didn't even know they had this in Word that there's a read aloud function in Word. But, mm-hmm. oh, that's kind of cool because I know some of the software that's available can sound like the uh, like Dragon Dictate and the various dictating softwares when you hear your writing uh, read back to you, it can sound a bit robotic. But I thought the one in Word sounded pretty good. And it actually, um, you can track the words. I think they highlight each word as it's being read. So, you know, not a bad thing for catching those little proofreading errors. And Definitely. Yeah. And it gives you a, a different way of hearing it when it's someone else's voice speaking back to you. Though I would also say when you're listening to it, at least the first time, try closing your eyes and listening as, as it reads it aloud. And and then you'll hear, does that sound right? And you won't get um, stuck on the, the text of the words as well. Mm-hmm. Although if you're you're trying to edit, then it could be very useful to look at the words at the same time. Right, right. Good point. Yeah, because man, we can get stuck on uh, words and punctuation and mm-hmm. <laughs> things that just send us, yeah, doing all sorts of crazy uh, writing gymnastics. Uh, yeah, I really like that, uh, like that point. It also got me thinking too about... Um, just the way well, certain a lot of emails that I've read, people the writer doesn't seem to have cared as much as I would have hoped um, <laughs> for sort of checking mechanical errors, like proofreading and that kind of thing. And what are your thoughts on that? I know I'll just put my cards on the table. I mm-hmm. like it makes me crazy. Like it makes really makes me crazy when somebody doesn't go to the trouble of making sure that the email is properly proofread. So we don't have any of those grammatical errors, spelling errors, or, you know, um, words that have been autocorrected, and it's not the actual word that the person <laughs> intended. Um, yeah, what is your what are your thoughts on that? Am I being too harsh? No, I don't think you're being too harsh. Although I'll, I'll put a big asterisk there that I'm going to come back to as well. But I would say when you're writing an email to someone else, you're building a professional relationship. You know, it's just like when you're going into the office and you put on your nice blouse or your nice blazer or your nice collared shirt and and you go in because that's what you wear as a lawyer to work. And that's how you show, yep, this is what I do. This is my profession. And if you meet with a client or you go to court, you know, you're wearing certain clothes to show that you respect where you are what you're doing and signaling, this is who I am. So when you're writing your emails, you also want to make sure you don't have 
extra mistakes, that you haven't spelled things incorrectly, that you don't have wrong words or missing words, because that affects how the other person will perceive you as a professional. Mm-hmm. And you don't want that other person to think, oh, so they couldn't spell this correctly. Does that mean they're also sloppy in their legal thinking? Am I getting the best advice here that I could? You know, you, you don't want to raise any of those questions. So coming back though, to that big asterisk I said, when you asked, are you, are, are you being too harsh about mm-hmm. mistakes? Um, I would say too, that if we do the best we can, if we take a moment to gather our thoughts, really picture that other person we're writing to and, and even where they might be when they receive our email, if we do that, and then we send off an email and we have a mistake in it, it's really not the end of the world. If there's just one mistake, good chance that other person didn't even notice it because they were reading quickly. Hmm. And also we all do have grace for each other. We all know we're not perfect. You know, we're not robots and that's so great. We're all humans interacting with each other. So we won't get everything perfect all the time. So if you, you do send something off, I would say, don't worry too much. If it's a big mistake, you know, maybe you're writing, um, maybe I'm writing to you, Shelly, but I just look over the email after I send it. And I see that I said, hi, Sharon. <laughs> well, I'm going to send you a note once I realize that and say, Shelly, I know your name is Shelly. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I said Sharon. Just even acknowledging, if you make a fairly obvious mistake, let the other person know you've caught it as well. Small mistakes, I would say, don't worry about, just move on. Although, of course, try your best not to have the small mistakes to begin with. And and do make sure you get the names right. That's one thing to always really check, that you're have the correct names. So the person you're writing to, and if you're referring to other groups or, or a client, make sure that you have the spelling correct and the capitalization. You know, if it's McDonald, is it M-A-C, little d, Donald, or <laughs> is it MC, big D? You know, check everything that you need to, to make sure it's as correct as it can be. Mm-hmm. And of course, use, if you have a spell check program, in your email, make sure you use it. If you see something as squealy lines under it, check and see why. <laughs> Make a decision about whether that's actually the, the right thing that you want to have there. Right, right. All right. Well, I'll try to relax a little bit about that. But I guess it's, you know, just because of the nature of the work that I do is I, you know, I'm perhaps reading emails a lot more closely than mm-hmm. a lot of busy lawyers, busy clients. Uh, so yeah, so point well taken. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, that then would answer my next question was, you know, should we pay the same amount of attention to our sort of routine inter-office um, email that we do to email that's, let's say, going to a client and it's more of a professional email? Good yeah. question. I think you're building reputations wherever you are whatever way you're communicating. So yes, you certainly want to be careful sending that email out to the client. But especially now in this hybrid work environment where many people are only working two or three days a week and you don't always overlap with that other person you're working with in the office, you're building a professional relationship with them. You're building social capital where you learn if you can trust each other more through email now than you ever were before, where you know, you'd know you naturally run into someone in the elevator and you'd have a, a chat about the weather on your way up, which would even help you get to know that person in a different way. But now we're sending these emails, you know, just asking for things all the time, as opposed to kind of that uh, more neutral conversation of, oh, hi, are you going out to get a coffee? Or what'd you do this weekend that helps you build that professional relationship? And so 
it's important in the office as well with your colleagues to make sure that you're taking care there as well. Because with every communication, you're you're building that professional relationship. And I would say as well, when you're thinking about that, of course, you're knowing your audience. So if you constantly are writing maybe to a senior associate and they're very casual in their email, you can still be respectful, but you will probably have more of a casual tone with them because that's how they write to you. You kind of, you, you follow, but always err on the side of being polite and respectful. And so sometimes maybe if you're going back and forth in an email thread and the other person doesn't takes away the greeting, maybe you think, okay, it's okay for me to take away the greeting as well. And you're, you're moving back and forth in that thread, but you're always, especially starting from um, a really strong place that is polite and professional, but sincere. Right. And then it also shows the recipient what you think about them, that you mm-hmm. respect them enough to take care in the way that you communicate. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that, that I like the idea of following sort of the tone as well as, um, you know, because tone is affected by greeting or lack of a greeting as well. Uh, so follow along if somebody has someone, certainly someone more senior than you has taken out the greeting chances are it would be okay for you to take it out as well. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah. It gets me thinking about something else. How do you know when to end an email chain? <laughs> Good question. If it's getting really complicated, then that's one sign. End the email chain and take it off email. <laughs> Go talk to that person in person or pick up the phone and answer a question. If it's just going back and forth forever, there's a good chance you can solve it more quickly by actually having a conversation. The other way I would think if you've had a chain going back and forth, if there's a new subject or a new topic that's coming up, it can be really helpful if you then start a new email with a new subject line with that topic on it um, so that the other person can see, okay, we're moving on. And good chance you don't need all that background information from before. And it makes it a lot easier for the other person to read if they don't have to wade through all the back and forth of the emails that are kind of related, but not really. They can always look at the old email if they need that. It's it's generally, yeah, if you're moving to a new subject, start with a new subject line, I would say. To give you an, an example from my personal life, I have a, a dear friend in, in Montreal who um, just keeps going back and forth on the, on the same email. And so she'll send me an email now and it the subject line will be today. But there's <laughs> 20 emails in and this is from when we were going to have a walk on in the afternoon and one day in April. You know, and I'm like, today, what's happening today? And then I was, oh, no, no, it's still it's still the same email. So do think of, think about your audience again and, and what makes sense for starting a new subject line. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the, this is another pet peeve of mine. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to give you my P first. I'm just going to ask the question and try it in a neutral way. What, <laughs> what about like a email thread that or chain that is going and it's clear that it's come to an end? Do you close the circle with a thank you or just kind of like leave it? There are different views on this topic. So I'll be, I'll be curious to hear what you think as well. <laughs> I would always err on the side of being polite and clear. So for me, I would say, okay, uh, thank you, Jamie, for all your help with this. I'll do this now. We're, we'll move on to this. And then it's clear, it's done, and we both know we can file those emails <laughs> and move on. 
with whatever's next. I know some other people say, well, I think there are too many emails going back and forth just saying thank you. I think those people are generally in the minority, (laughs) the ones who don't like thank you emails. We all like being thanked and and recognized when we do work. And we all want to know clearly if something is finished. So I would say err on the side of sending that extra little email to close it off. That said, what do you think, Shelley? <laughs> well, I'm just glad that you confirmed what I was thinking. <laughs> um, yeah, I just find that very frustrating when I don't know if things have ended or not. Mm. And yeah, and for me, I just, again, want to acknowledge and show that I'm grateful to the person and, you know, thank you. And, you know, whether I add anything else to it would be, of course, context dependent. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm really all for the final thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I know when I um, worked for the federal government uh, years and years ago, uh, there was a very busy director general who, when the email chain would end, he always said thank you. He said thank you all the time. And I just, for me, that's just been something I've taken away from that, from that job, how good it made me feel that Mm -hmm. as a junior lawyer, there's this, you know, very busy DG who is uh, taking the time to just acknowledge um, my email. Thank you. Uh, Just really made me feel good. So I've just taken that with me and I hope I can um, pass that on to others as well. You bring up a really good point too, because it sounds like because that person was higher up even, and you were earlier in your career, you really appreciate it that mm-hmm. he took the time to say thank you. And that that's actually something I've, I've talked about with paralegals. And they tell me they really appreciate when the lawyers they work with actually take the time to ask them to do work in the form of a question mm-hmm. instead of issuing a command at them. But they show that extra you know, respect for their work by saying, could you please get these papers done by Tuesday afternoon? And you know, it's still very specific instead of saying, I need these papers done by Tuesday afternoon. Because they're going to do the work. In either case, that's their job. But they really appreciate that just extra bit of being polite and showing respect by by asking in the form of a question and then by saying thank you as well at the end, just, just like you were saying. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Makes such good sense. Uh, simple, mm-hmm. simple things that we can do. Because, you know, it is all about the relationship between the email writer and the recipients. And I think we could all show a little bit more respect. And as as you mentioned, even at the outset, that's something I think that we should be a little bit more top of mind than it is um, now, when particularly we're busy. It's like, okay, get it out. We got to do it, and we're gonna send delegate this, and uh, forget that there's a person behind all of that. And then you mentioned at the end of the email, uh, I'm wondering too if. We should, okay. So let's say we start the email by explaining what the email's about and what we want the person to do. Do we reiterate that at the end? I've often seen, well, the email should end with a call to action. What do you want the recipient to do at the end, you know, after finishing reading the email? What are your thoughts on that? Ah, good question. I, I think this comes back to, you know, unfortunately, there's no, real formula for email you have i mean there's somewhat of a formula have a good subject line have a greeting lead from the top sign off whether to always have that call to action at the end it depends what you have earlier on in the email it depends how long the email is so if it's short and right away you say 
I'm writing to find out more about your movements on the afternoon of Wednesday, September 6th. And then you don't have that much more text after. I I think you don't want to make it seem redundant or Mm -hmm. like you don't trust them. But if there is a bunch more complicated information after that, then it might well make sense (laughs) as you're getting near the end to say, right, well, I'll look forward to hearing more from you about what you were doing that afternoon. Um, Could you please let me know by this time? Sincerely, Stephanie, or whatever it is. So I think not just exactly repeating what it is you're looking for, but having it as a, again, as a friendly, polite request close to your sign-off could be very helpful, especially if there's been more information in the body of your email. But if it's quite short, then I think you you can rely on them to um, to get what you're asking for. But I think then too, you know, that's where you also think about visual clarity about how your email looks. You know, when they open up your email, do they see standing on its own the question you want to ask them? Or is that question buried in the middle of a long paragraph where they're unlikely to get it? So again, it's it's that always thinking about making sure the other person can see it. And perhaps that could be helpful at the end as well. Again, if, if it's a long email. Yeah. And also, I mean, thinking about the busy um, email recipient, probably if they don't see all that they need in the opening screen, they're going to just kind of scroll down. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm just... Um, but I, th- I think that makes really good sense. You want to, don't want to be repetitive, especially because you're sending an email to try to be a little bit more concise <laughs> yes. and to save words. But uh, yeah, so again, one size doesn't fit all, but uh, some food for thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so much we can talk about um, mm-hmm. for email. My goodness. Uh, and so many crossovers between other types of writing, but yet some real specific things that um, we really should pay attention to when writing email versus other types of um, other types of writing. Yeah, so I'm just wondering if there's anything that we didn't touch on, Stephanie. I can't believe how long we've been talking about this. <laughs> I know. We talk about email forever. Um, one more thing I would say is think about the environment you're in when you're writing an email as well. If you can, you know, I know, especially if you're early on in your career, you might be expected to respond to emails quite quickly if they're coming from uh, senior people above you who are assigning you work. But in general, try to create a setting where you can write email that will really help you concentrate. So that means if you can, not just responding to a notification when it comes up, but actually setting aside time to go through your emails. And again, some emails you need to respond to right away. I get that. But the other ones, maybe you have a time mid-morning or right after lunch or at the end of the day where you respond to emails and then you're training your brain. Okay, this is email time. So it, it helps you focus on it, helps you picture that other person. So instead of just typing it off the side of your desk in the midst of all your other work, you are focused on it. And you can concentrate on it. And I would say that would really help your emails be much more effective so that you can spend less time on email in the future, which I think is is what we're really all going for. So try to set yourself up for success for concentrating and be aware that our self-discipline, it's like a muscle and it gets weaker as the day goes on. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. if you have a difficult email to write, you might want to try writing that email in the morning or by lunchtime or just after lunch and not writing it at the end of the day. 
if you don't need to, because it will, it will be harder for you to write an email. Maybe if you're a little bit frustrated with it, or it'll be harder for you to not get that tone across in your email and, and keep it friendly, professional, and, and polite. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just reminded me of a research study that I read a while back. And the one of the findings was that we consistently overestimate our ability to communicate effectively with email. Yes. Partially because many email are handled within six seconds of receipt. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying makes such good sense. Like just taking the time, stepping back and thinking and you know, not, not responding without having, first of all, read the whole email. And that's another one of my pet peeves. Yes. <laughs> People respond. You're kind of going, wait a second. Like, what are they responding to? Like, I address that in the latter part of the email. Clearly they read just the first screen and then poof, <laughs> like shot off a response. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, just so terrific talking to you about this uh, subject. And as you know, the podcast has been off for uh, a number of months. This is the first time I'm back recording. And what a delight to be able to have this conversation with you, Stephanie, to get uh, back into it. So really, really thank you uh, for taking the time to speak with me. I'm just wondering how listeners can learn more about you and the work that you're doing and you know what's on the horizon for you. Absolutely. Um, well, I'd love it if anyone wanted to find out, you can find me, contact me uh, on my website and it's my name. So it's stephaniecmitchell.com. And I'm excited because this fall I'm getting back to more in-person workshops <laughs> after two and a half years of all virtual. I'm loving this transition back to speaking to real groups in person and seeing people's eyes light up when we talk about words. So that's been really fun. I'm also working on a new keynote talk called The Strength of Silence. And it's all about, you know, how we live in this loud society with our phones and pings and, and everything that comes at us and thinking about, okay, so how do we have silence in sort of our history of communication and how could we bring it in in thoughtful ways now to improve our communication, improve even the words that we choose? So I'm having a lot of fun working on that. Fantastic. And yeah, I really encourage anyone who has the opportunity to listen. Are you, is it something you are going to be presenting in person or is it something that you're going to be, it will be available uh, on your website? I will be presenting it in person. I hope as long as the world stays safe and I can get out there. (laughs) Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, here's hoping I have an opportunity to, to hear that. Well, Stephanie, thank you again. Such a treat speaking with you. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Shelley. It was absolutely my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for joining me today on the XL Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at xllegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L.com.